Good morning, church. Praise God. We thank God for seeing us through the end of another month. We are, we're almost there. Uh, three more days and we step into a new month. And I'm glad uh, about the month of September. September on the calendar of this church is our friends and family month. Uh, we use that as emphasis to intercede and then go out and witness to our unsaved family members and friends that we have that they might also receive Jesus into their life as their Lord and personal Savior. So I look forward to all the initiatives we have in September. Amen. Today is the final installment of our series for this month on the month of on, on the Ministry of Reconciliation. I'm sorry. Um, Thank God, uh, we've had three installments. Amen. I want to believe we are all enjoying the summer. <laughs> it goes quick. Yesterday I was on the phone with my mother and we both exclaimed, where is time? It seems to be going so quick and so fast. So enjoy every moment. And make good use of your time. Redeem the time. The Bible calls you wise if you do that. Amen. But before I preach, let me start off a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. I thank you, Lord, that you will speak through my mind. Um, you will give me the articulation to say exactly what you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Two scriptures. Our first scripture reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. And our second scripture reading is Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. So let me start with the first scripture reading that has been our foundational text for our series. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sent for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's look at our second scripture reading. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. I read. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How many of you would like to see the Lord so walking in the garden in the cool of the day? And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, 
Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The last scripture we read talked about how man's relationship with God became broken. It was broken, the relationship became frosty, not because God has hate, because God is love. He can never have hate in him. But God is a holy God. He is a righteous God that he can't entertain sin. That was it. It brought a frosty relationship between man and God because of Adam's sin. So between Genesis chapter 3 and the Gospels, the Gospels is Matthew to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Between um, uh, Genesis 3 and that lies in man's attempt to earn favor and relationship. That's why Jesus came. So if you read after Genesis chapter 3, a series of events that led to the gospel show that man wanted connection. Man felt hopeless without God. And uh, from that period, there was none that could be righteous. There was no one that could merit God's favor. You can't merit God's favor by your work. You can't. It's a gift. And that's why Jesus came. Amen. So we have established two weeks ago that man was a living dead. And man became a living dead because even though he was alive, in the realm of the spirit, he was dead in his trespasses and sins, all because of one man called Adam. Therefore, sin became a contagion, deadlier than the virus. That is still fresh on our minds. Caused havoc, caused a lot of people to weep, caused a lot of depression, but sin is deadlier. You know, when they tallied the records for countries that had been infected with the coronavirus, there were some countries that had zero coronavirus case, but not sin. When we tally the record, all of us have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. That is how deadly sin is. It doesn't matter whether you're a Chinese, you're a black, European, American, Native American, all have sinned. That is the contamination of sin, which is so deadly. But when we read the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, which we have done for the past two weeks, we realize that God loved us because he was rich in mercy, or he is rich in mercy. He is still rich in mercy. All of us sitting here, listening to me on the sound of my voice, even if you are not a Christian, you are enjoying God's love because of the abundance of his mercy. He is rich in mercy. And because of that, the Bible lets us know that for this cause, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to come and die. He died for us so that through Jesus, we could also experience the riches of Christ's grace in his kindness. So the world has not just experienced love because of God's rich mercy. 
The world has also experienced the riches of Christ's grace according to his kindness. But they don't know. That's why we have to tell them. And when they make a concerted effort to come into the kingdom of God, then of a truth, they will have that experience that I'm truly experiencing Christ's riches of his grace and his kindness in addition to the love of God because God is rich in mercy. It's just like walking around and there are waves that you can connect to. There are waves that we can connect to any channel, but if you are not a subscriber, it will just be above your head. Likely, all of us here are beneficiaries of something greater, the love of God, something greater, the riches of Christ's grace, but we will never experience it. It will never become a reality if we don't tap into it or subscribe into it. Like doing that to a television channel. And how do we subscribe? By receiving Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. For this reason, God has taxed us who are saved with the ministry of reconciliation. And like I said last two weeks, reconciliation, the, the, the word ministry of reconciliation, the word ministry means office and dispensation. So when we say that God has called into the office or the ministry of reconciliation, it means God has called you to step into the office of a reconciler and administer the duties of reconciliation. And what is the meaning of the word reconciliation? To restore a broken relationship. Sin broke our relationship with God. And that was what Genesis chapter 3 is all about. And it transcended to all of us. But thanks be to God that we are no longer experiencing that because of Christ's death. Amen. Now, when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, the first scripture, it talks to us about the effects, the blessings, and the benefits associated with Christ's death. That's why the epistles is written. And in your Bible, the portion called the epistles is from the book of Romans to the book of Jude. And what's the meaning of epistles? It just means letters. These are letters written to the church. All those letters written are to expound on the significance of Christ's death. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just gives us the historical accounts of Christ's life, which includes his death, burial, and resurrection. But the letters or the epistles written by the apostles, mostly Paul, some by Peter, and some by John, is to expound on why did Jesus have to die. And he had to die so that we will become new creation, According to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21, he had to die and resurrect so that we will become ministers of reconciliation. He had to die and resurrect so that we will become preachers because we have been tasked or we have been delegated the word of reconciliation. He died and resurrected so that we will become ambassadors for Christ. He died and resurrected so that we will become the righteousness of God. So whenever you read the epistles, the epistles expound to you the significance 
of Christ's death, how that relates to the day-to-day life of every human being. Amen. So over the last two weeks, like I said, we journeyed in Ephesians, and the short of it was to understand that the gospel is a great unifier. Not only are we restored a deeper and meaningful connection to God with many spiritual blessings, but also with our fellow men. We established that last week. When the ministry of reconciliation kicks into effect, it just doesn't have to do with man's access to God, which will foster a deeper relationship. It also has to do with interaction, relationship, and fellowship with like men. And thanks be to God that because of the ministry of reconciliation, what society has set as schisms, as divisions that tend to tear us apart, that is now and non-existent when it comes to the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is nothing like sex, there is nothing like race, there is nothing like age, there is nothing like social standing, there is nothing like financial standing. All that pales in comparison to what God has done so that we can all be one. That is the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Now, today, I want us to wrap up with an emphasis on verse 20 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The first thing we should know is everybody can be a child of God. Everybody. It is said that we are almost 8 billion so it's said that Christianity probably boasts a population of 2.2 and 4.8 are non-Christians. So let's suffice it to say 2.2 are real Christians. The rest of the 4.8 can all become children of God. Everybody. But not everybody can become a minister of reconciliation or an ambassador of Christ. Why do I say that? Because the first step to becoming an ambassador for Christ or being a minister of reconciliation is to first and foremost be born again. And that's why we are new creation. Because when we talk about preaching, what is preaching? When I'm talking about preaching, I'm not talking about preaching in the context of a pastor in a local church, instructing church members on how to live godly or how to understand the scripture. Now, when I'm talking about preaching, when it comes to the area of the ministry of reconciliation, we are talking about something that you have experienced. That is also preaching. So, if you have not become a new creation, you don't qualify to partake of the ministry of reconciliation. Because your message that you will give to the person will become an abstract message. And one of the things that we are supposed to do is to share our experience back by the word of God. This is what the word says. God is love. And I'm here to tell you, 
I have experienced love. It's not just enough to just quote the scripture and, and then preach it. When it comes to the ministry of reconciliation, first and foremost, you who is in that office, you first and foremost need to have an idea, have an experience of what it means to be reconciled to God. And then you give your personal experience. Amen. So when it comes to witnessing to unsaved family and friends, it's not necessarily like how we do it in a church setting or midweek Bible study. We are not saying that it's not there. That is also there. Now, once the person receives Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, then he will now be fit and meet to experience teachings like how we experience in a church setting. But when we are talking about extending the ministry of reconciliation to anybody who is outside the fold of the kingdom of God, it is us becoming very transparent and giving them an experience, a personal experience of what it means to experience God's love, what it means to experience Christ's grace. And if you don't have this experience, then suffice it to say, you are probably not born again. You might be a churchgoer, but you are not born again. Because anybody who truly has become born again, some way, somehow, has experienced the love of God, has experienced the grace of God, that will become some sort of a running theme for his message to invite people into the house of faith. You can't talk to people about restored relationships when you yourself, you have not been the recipient of God restoring his relationship with you. Amen. So that is it. Quite interesting, when you look at the Greek word for ambassador, it is a figurative word for preachers. So the word ambassador and the earthly term ambassador kind of have a tangential meaning. They are not really the same. They are on tangents. So when God calls us ambassadors, we are ambassadors to make known the mind and the counsel of God. I think that is where there is similarity because when someone becomes an ambassador in a foreign, a foreign country, he is there on behalf of the country he represents to make known the mind, the council, and where, whichever piece of land he is, he makes sure that the country is representative of that. That includes culture, maybe food, and some other things. That's why when you go to an embassy or a consulate, you have entered the country because the, um, the embassy where the ambassador resides is there to give you a preview of what it is like to be in a country. So when we, when we say we are ambassadors of God, we are ambassadors because we are to make known the mind and the counsel of God, which many, a larger percentage of this world, are not privy to. Amen. Now, it's very important to understand how to do that. Now, when we talk about making the mind and the counsel of God known, what are we talking about? We are talking about telling people that God wants connection with men. That's the mind and counsel. 
And that's why when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we plead through God and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, be connected to God. That is the mind and the counsel. Be connected to God. Why? Because God is not imputing trespasses, but he has reconciled the world to himself through his son, Jesus. For this reason, his son came to die so that there will be no schisms, there will be no factions. There are many people who have a very traditional mindset of God and it's up to us who have experienced the, life of, the love of God and the life of God to break down those traditions by letting them know what we have experienced. Amen. Now, there are two ways by which we can do that. The first way is to preach. Use words. Because Romans chapter 10, I keep on quoting this. The Bible says, how would they hear the gospel without a preacher? When you are a believer, you are an ambassador of Christ, which is a figurative term for a preacher. And that is to make known God's counsel. What's God's counsel to your friend? What is God's mind, agenda to your neighbor? God loves you. He wants a deeper connection. And if the person asks, how will I receive that? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe with your heart and do not doubt in your heart, you are saved. That's all. And then you will now begin to experience a connection. You will now begin to experience the love of God because he's rich in mercy. And not just that. In addition to God's love, you will also experience the riches of Christ's grace according to his kindness. But we can talk about this. But if you are just going to be outside the bedroom hall and just peeping and not enter, you will never have a foretaste of what this new covenant or this ministry of reconciliation truly is all about. Amen. So one of the ways you can do that is by words. Telling people, letting them know. As we reach the month of September in the next three days, think about one person who you are going to make the person know God's counsel, God's mind. God loves you. I know you do drugs, but he loves you. He wants a deeper connection with you. You may have moved from one boyfriend to another boyfriend. You have now even changed from boyfriend now going to girlfriend. That's okay. God loves you. I want to present to you the love of God. I've experienced that love. I've experienced the riches of Christ's kindness and his grace. I want to present that to you. That's just the message. We can do that by words. But secondly, we can also do that by living an exemplary life of Christ. And that's very important. Especially when that word ambassador comes into play. It, it talks about our posture and how we present ourselves to the world. Amen. So, whilst Jesus was on earth, he talked of two metaphors to explain how we can be a blessing to humanity. So I will want to look at these two metaphors, deduce some points, 
and we'll stand on it and pray. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. It's hard preaching in the summer. You will have to be drinking water often. Oh my God. You want to preach, but I pray you don't preach in the summer. Preach, preach in winter. You just wear your jackets, but you will not be thirsty. I can guarantee you that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a lampstand. And if it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. So Jesus was talking about something very important, and he decided to use metaphors of things that are very mundane and very common to them. Salt, light. Everybody can relate to that. Amen. So when Jesus said, you are the salt, salt is a metaphor in the Greek, which meant prudence. And when we talk about prudence, we are talking about wisdom. Amen. But salt in Jesus' time was used for four main purposes. It was used for seasoning food. So when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, he's talking about influence. You are there to be a change agent and influence people for the good. Now, when I'm talking about influence, it can be either good or bad. There are bad influences, good influences. But when Jesus is talking about seasoning, he is talking about influencing someone for the better. Be a change agent, just like salt. Salt is a change agent. When salt is introduced to a food, it changes the flavor completely. Amen. The second thing, Salt was used for fertilizing a sterile land. I don't, I don't know whether today in the agri sector, whether that is really being used because of many chemicals and many things that they use now. I think that is almost old-fashioned and out, and, and out of vogue. But in those days, if you really wanted to heal a barren land, you do that by fertilizing it with salt. It's one of the best ways. So Jesus is also saying that bring hope out of a hopeless situation. And one of the ways we can bring hope is by spreading the message of the gospel. So we are not just to be influencers or be change agents. We are also supposed to bring hope out of the hopeless Bring life out of the lifeless. Do you know how you bring life out of the, the lifeless? Telling someone that God loves you. When a person sins, the Bible lets us know that he's dead in his trespasses and sins. 
And the only way they will be able to resurrect and experience life is for them to know about the love of God. Because the Bible lets us know that he made us alive. And how did he make us alive? Because he loved us and he was rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. We read about that last two weeks. So bring hope. Bring life. Bring hope out of hopeless situations. Bring life out of lifeless situations. Number three. It was used for sprinkling sacrifices. Thank God we are really not in the era of sacrifices anymore. So this might be a bit abstract for some of us. But um, during the Israeli time, there were five main sacrifices. Not every sacrifice was animals and blood. There were four that had to deal with blood, animals. But there was one particular sacrifice called grain offering. It was non-bloody. You just bring your crops, your fruits, and you sacrifice them to the Lord. And when you are using, and, and, and excuse me, when you are performing those sacrifices, you need salt. Salt is needed to season those sacrifices. And it, it was so, so that it would be acceptable. Because salt there was a symbol. It was a symbol of purity. Because salt is also a good preservative. So, when Jesus was talking about you are the salt of the earth, it's also a bigger task of discipling one another. You see, when we let people understand the ministry of reconciliation by telling them about God's love, that's not the end. We also have to disciple them. Matthew 28 the Bible didn't just say we should go out into the world and preach. We should make disciples. And making disciples is the same as sprinkling salt on sacrifices to make it acceptable before God. Because that was the standard. If you don't add salt to the sacrifice, it was unacceptable. So to make people living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, we who have become matured, we who have tasted of the love of God and the grace of Christ, we need to be patient teachers and disciple such people. I believe early this year, Minister Lily did preach a message on that, if you do remember. She talked about we have been called to disciple people and when you are talking about disciple people, look closely. Sometimes don't even travel far. It could be your friend, your family member. Be there to answer questions. And if you don't even know the questions, ask somebody in the church. Amen. But let's do well to one way or another, disciple one another. We, when we do that, it means we don't live for ourselves. We live for something much greater. You are, you are laying down a legacy. And you are laying down your treasures that will speak for you in the years and in eternity to come. Number four, salt was a preservative. It preserves food from going bad. And when Jesus was saying that, that also talks about changing the eternal destiny of man. 
You see, thank God for Christians. Because if Christians are not sprinkled on this earth as salt, this world will go bad. It will be, it will be in moral decay. It will be in spiritual rottenness. And the destiny of man is eternal damnation and judgment. We are here to prevent decay, prevent rottenness by bringing the kingdom of God to be established. And one of the surest ways to establish the kingdom of God is to make known the gospel of reconciliation. Amen. So, if we are truly salt, then it should show in our speech. So now, when Jesus talks about you are the salt of the earth, he is saying that be wise, be prudent. And one of the ways that we can show that we, we are prudent is in how we speak. So go with me to Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Walk in wisdom or walk in prudence. Those who are outside redeeming the time. So people who are not of the faith, people who don't subscribe to our life faith, the Bible says we should walk in wisdom towards them. And when we are walking in wisdom, it's not the wisdom that this earth defines, not sensual wisdom, crafty wisdom. That's not wisdom. Okay? Walk in wisdom as in a pure man. Walk in wisdom as in one who promotes peace. Walk in wisdom as in one who doesn't believe in fighting. All these are hallmarks of true spiritual wisdom. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. It shows in our speech. That means our conversation should edify our hearers. Amen. So if we are truly salt of the earth, we have been called to a life of influence, a life uh, uh, that means we have to be heralds of hope to the hopeless, heralds of life to the lifeless. We have been called to disciple people. That means I don't live for myself. I live to build a legacy. And my works will speak in the hereafter. It means we have been called to change the eternal destiny of men. And all this in the nutshell, it can only happen if we are prudent with our speech. Let's learn how to communicate grace, which will edify our hearers. Amen. That's being an ambassador. Secondly, Jesus didn't just end there. He said, we are the light of the world. Light here talks of purity. You know, Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. And when Jesus said he is the light of the world, he was mainly talking about, I am the way to salvation. If you come to me, you will never walk in darkness. We are not that light of the world because in of ourselves, we can't offer salvation to people. We can only point to the light of the world who is Jesus who gives salvation. But 
when Jesus calls us the light of the world, it's not to share that title with him. The light of the world here is talking about purity. Amen. So, a pure life is not a flawless one. A pure life is not one that makes me, that doesn't make mistakes. I'll tell you what a pure life is. It is a yielded life to God, growing in Christ-likeness every day. So when Jesus says that we are the light of the world, Jesus is telling us that we have to come to a place where we will be yielded to God by fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and that we will grow in Christ-likeness. That's being the light of the world. Sometimes we like to play church. I come to church on Sunday, I come to church on Wednesday, and if you do special programs, I'll come. But it's not reflecting in our growth. We are not becoming like Christ. It's not reflecting in our speech. Do you know one of the ways the doctor will find that you are ill? They can stick a thermometer in your mouth. And I will say that the maturity of your spirituality or your growth in your faith can also be attributed to what comes out of your mouth. Is this seasoned with grace? And is it always with salt? So we are the light of the world. It shows in purity. And purity here means we have to be yielded to God. And when we are yielded to God, it results in us growing in Christ-likeness. You will love more. You will be at peace more. You will forgive more. You will be a reconciler just like Jesus. You will bring hope to the hopeless just like Jesus. You will bring life to death situations just like Jesus. That is being the light of the world. A sign of living a yielded life is you do good to people. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when you believe and you accept the designation that you are the light of the world, it has to show by you growing in Christ-likeness and you doing good works. Being a blessing to someone should not have hidden agenda or motives. It shouldn't. You don't do good to one because he's a Christian. Everybody, listen to me, everybody deserves to be done good by you. It's not just because he's a Christian. It's not just because he's a charismatic even among the Christians, you see that there is a lot of sex. Oh, I'm charismatics, we don't flow with reformed um, um, theolo- theologians. Oh, Baptist people, we don't flow with assemblies. Pentecostals, we don't flow with Catholics. And a whole lot of things. But when you do good to people, it's irrespective. Everybody regardless of race. Everybody regardless of age. Sex class, 
religious or spiritual beliefs, culture, philosophical beliefs, or philosophical ideals, it doesn't matter, financial standing and the like, all this should not stop us from doing good works to humanity. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that by that, our Father in heaven is glorified. That's one of the many reasons why our church motto reads, come with us and we shall do you good. It's not just a buzzword. We believe in it. In conclusion, we have to be worthy ambassadors for Christ, representing the kingdom of God effectively to let people smell the fragrance of Christ's knowledge. To be ministers of reconciliation, indeed, we need to do it in word. And indeed, that is by action or living an exemplary life as the master's masterpiece, like what we learned in Ephesians chapter 2. We are the master's masterpiece. We are his workmanship being displayed, being showcased to do good works because we were created in them and we have been ordained to work in them. We conclude our series on this note that we all have a calling and an office to administer connecting people to God. And for that to happen, we have to be connected to God ourselves before we can show people how they can also be connected to God. Because it's through connecting to God ourselves that our message can become potent because we will have experience. And when we connect to God, we will become more like Christ, which will in itself be a message and a turning point for someone. Lord, I embrace this ministry of reconciliation. I want to believe you also embrace this ministry of reconciliation. Don't just let your Christianity be Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Live greater than that. If your Christianity is just going to be Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, you will drop out. You will check out. But if your Christianity becomes, Lord, I want more than just being a nominal Christian, God will honor and answer that prayer. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. Thank you for shining light on the ministry of reconciliation these four Sundays. Above all, Lord, we will obey your word. We will do your word. Father, thank you for making us new creation. We will walk in it. Thank you for making us ministers of reconciliation with the word of reconciliation. We will walk in it. Thank you for making us ambassadors of Christ. We will represent you effectively to your glory that you will be glorified. And thank you that above all you have made us the righteousness of you. That is our image. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings we have received as a result of being connected to you. We will not be selfish and we will let the world know. Amen.